social media. It's growing at an explosive, exponential clip, and it's moving fast. Just as much, banks want to move fast to take advantage of the people who are on social media to target messages and get in to where people need their products the most. So how do they leverage a platform that has 2 billion users? To find out, we'll be talking with Dipanjan Day of Facebook. Welcome to BAI Banking Strategies, where each week we'll focus on the key issues facing financial services leaders. We'll bring you objective opinions and actionable insights that'll help you power smart decisions. I'm your host, Lou Carlozo, the managing editor of BAI. Come on in. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. It is wonderful to have you here with us. And time is ticking down to BAI Beacon. That takes place October 4th and 5th in Atlanta. To learn more about the Fast-Paced Financial Services Conference, visit BAI.org slash BAI Beacon. Hope to see you there. And today on the program, we are privileged to have Dipanjan Day, the head of industry for the financial services practice at Facebook. He spent five years at Facebook focused on building marketing solutions for various brands across banking, payments, and insurance. In addition, Dipanjan has helped develop and test Facebook's targeting and measurement capabilities with their largest financial service brands. And Deep, great to have you on the program today. Great to be here. Thanks a lot for inviting me to chat. And I'm going to start out with a pretty tough question, maybe the toughest question of the interview. Does Mark Zuckerberg ever show up at the New York office with his skateboard? <laughs> um, you know, I think that it's tough because you have to take an elevator to come up to our office. So it's not the easiest thing to go from street to office. And on to the topic we're here to talk about today, Facebook's role in the realm of banking and financial services. Not many people might be clear on that, but it's a really important role. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's always helpful to also take a step back and just think about the role that mobile plays. I mean, this is not a secret and hopefully it's not a surprise to you or anybody listening to this. Three hours a day are spent on the mobile device. And within that, Facebook takes up a large chunk of that time. So when you look at Facebook and Instagram, we're about one in five minutes. And when you add Messenger, we're almost an hour a day. And so when banks look at that and they think about Facebook, they really look at us as a massive reach platform. Now we're at 2 billion on Facebook, 700 million on Instagram, right? I mean, just large numbers. And I think the last thing I'll touch on in how banks partner with us, we have a really interesting insight on people in that we can string a person's digital journey across different platforms, which actually is really difficult to do in the digital space. A real life example, and you can imagine with banks, this happens quite often, is you might see, let's say, a bank's messaging on the mobile phone. So let's say you're on Facebook, you see a message from a bank and you think, you know, I'm interested in this product, but I'm not going to apply right now. And you go back on your desktop device and you go ahead and apply or you call up and you apply. And that helps our banks really have like kind of a 360 understanding of how their communications and media is working for them. That is incredible. Now, in terms of what financial services leaders can learn from Facebook regarding customer experience and marketing, what would you share that is really crucial? One of the interesting things I've seen over the last five years is 
we traditionally have this expectation that what worked in the past will work in the future, right? I mean, that's just an inherent bias that we have. And you see that in history, you see that everywhere. When you look at the transition that's happening right now onto mobile, what we realize is consumption patterns are different. That's across everything. It's also the way people fill out forms. People don't necessarily want to fill out forms the same way they may want to fill out on desktop. The input is different on a mobile phone. If you think about something like a password, well, why do a password when you can have a fingerprint or you can take a picture of your face and you can use biometrics to verify your identity, right? So I think what may have worked in the desktop world doesn't necessarily work on mobile. In the past, you kind of had these traditional story arcs on television. Act one was kind of the buildup of the story. Act two is this huge climax and act three was the resolution. And what we're seeing on mobile is you can't follow that traditional story arc. As we work with our banks, we're trying to get them to start thinking about it that way, which is attention spans are definitely shorter and people are expecting story arcs to work differently when they're on their mobile device. And so we need to start to communicate the way people want us to communicate. When you think about it, it's really a question of, is it an arc or is it now a journey that the user takes? So very well put. Moving on now to the issue of privacy. It has been so big. Every single major digital entity is wrestling with it. How does Facebook work with its partners on safe ways to use offline financial data? One of the things that we've done to make it much easier for our banks to work with us is really working within the ecosystem that our banks work with and that they're comfortable with. So, I mean, there are physical protections, there are obviously technological protections in place. And so we actually partner with third parties like an Axiom, Epsilon, or DataLogix. Now we're working within the ecosystem that they work with. When a bank wants to import offline data, because they work with these third-party safe havens, there is no PII, so personally identifiable information, that's ever transferred between Facebook and a bank. There's encryption technology called hashing that's used to ensure that there is never PII data that's transferred either way, which makes all the partners feel very, very comfortable importing offline data and using it on Facebook in a meaningful way. Last year, I had the privilege to speak to Noah Choi at Facebook when Messenger was just moving into the payment space. It was an exciting development, and I'm wondering if you can bring us up to date in terms of how Messenger has worked out in payments and what you're learning, what might also be ahead in the near term. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'll be able to do justice. Noah articulates much better than I do, but I'll give it a shot. If you think about what Messenger is, it's this one-to-one communication platform. And we have peer-to-peer payments on our platform. So we see adoption of that functionality, right? So that is a clear use case of financial services within the Messenger platform. I would say we haven't nailed it. We're still testing and learning. And it's frankly a great opportunity for our banks that want to push the envelope and innovate. American Express has a really great bot, a messenger bot, where you do some level of account servicing on the platform. You can authenticate as an Amex cardholder, and then you can get purchase notifications. You can ask questions. There's some FAQ things. And so what it really provides you is that light touch point 
with your customers and for customers to not have to necessarily download an app or go to a website. We have 1.2 billion people on Messenger. And so they could just go on and talk to the brands. And I think you're going to start to see more use cases emerge around exactly that, which is you have this sustained relationship with a person. And again, you've mentioned this a few times. It's that you can stick along with that person across the entire digital and customer journey and their life cycle as a customer of your bank. Big data is another topic. Big topic, big data, right? <laughs> Facebook is in there. You've obviously learned a lot. You're learning a lot. What can you pass on to financial services leaders in terms of the lessons learned? There's a couple things. One is when we think about it, we're dealing with millions and millions of data elements, right? And our banks have a lot of data and they have very sophisticated processes. They're doing risk modeling. And so they know this. And in some ways, they've been doing this much longer than we have. Definitely on the marketing side, I think there is sometimes this temptation to contextualize data. Let's say you have a credit card that is appealing to people that like food and dining and women that live in New York City, right? And this group that they really think will love this card. Some level of targeting is fine. But when you deal with big data, you have this luxury of having machine learning models, these analytical models that can just give you those signals for you. If you put enough signal into the system, for instance, an input signal into a machine learning model would be anytime there's a conversion made, you implemented the Facebook pixel, which fires whenever there's a credit card application that's approved. And what it's doing is the model is starting to learn okay, who are the people that are converting and what do they look like? Sometimes there may be insights that we as humans may not have even thought of. This was a while ago. I remember we were looking at a particular credit card and folks were applying and we did insights on the converters of that credit card and we found that they all liked bikes. <laughs> they all liked bikes. And that is something that we tried to contextualize that ourselves. We've never come up with that insight. This is a card for diners. Why is it optimizing towards people that like bikes? Well, it is. And maybe that's just something that we never thought about. I love the phrase that no human ever thought of. With the data, it speaks to things that if we listen, we're going to get those insights. So well put. Now, wrapping up, I'm wondering what you see just on the horizon related to technology and banking where I see technology and banking coming together in interesting ways is how do you create a richer customer experience? I remember years ago, people were really wary about storing credentials on wallets and banks were wary about working with the e-wallets and things because you were losing that customer touch point. But as things have moved mobile, we're demanding more seamless experiences and so I think banks now are rightfully saying, okay, like we get we need to work better with these wallets. We need to work better with e-commerce and e-commerce and facilitating these seamless transactions. And so what does that mean? I think that means using technology to develop much better customer experiences. If you're trying to facilitate a quicker, seamless experience on the transaction, like how do you support that transaction before and afterwards to make sure that it's as well serviced as possible? One of the worst experiences for a customer is the first one they have with a bank, which is filling out an application. 
right? That is a pain. <laughs> more and more people are doing that on their mobile device. And so, or more and more people are researching really complex banking products on their mobile device. And how do you do that in an immersive way? How do you do that where you're not just reading through pages of text? Maybe it's using video, maybe it's chunking it in much more digestible ways. Some of the initial things are around check deposit and using your camera, right? I mean, that was an incredible breakthrough. You don't need to go to a bank. We have a camera and we can deposit checks. And I think the last thing is security. And I think biometrics is a really interesting thing. And I know Apple has really uh, moved to the forefront on fingerprint technology. And you're going to see more and more applications there because, again, passwords were a thing in the desktop era and really an imperfect technology. And I think you're going to see more applications that are more secure and actually much more seamless. That's a really thorough glimpse into what will happen, especially in terms of mobile, where Facebook is already a huge presence. Deep, thank you so much for being on the podcast today and sharing your time. Yeah, thank you so much. This was a great conversation. Dipanjan Day is the head of industry for the financial services practice at Facebook. Be sure to look for Deep on LinkedIn. And here are three key takeaways from today's podcast. Number one, insights on people and what they do digitally come not just on the analytical side. Today, you can string the journey a customer takes across digital platforms, from desktop to mobile, back to desktop again, wherever that takes them. That gives you a 360-degree understanding of where they've been. Number two, what worked in the past won't necessarily work in the future. Consumption patterns on mobile are different, and people are using technologies such as fingerprints and biometrics for passwords. Ask yourself, how do people consume content on mobile? And think about what their journey is like from app to app, from story to story, to video, and back again. It's not the same consistent story arc that typifies the media of old. And number three, with the shift to mobile comes a question that bankers ask often, how do you create a richer customer experience? Think about one breakthrough recently, the ability to take photos of checks and deposit them through remote deposit capture. Customers are demanding more seamless transactions and one frontier to consider is how to make banking forms easier to fill out on mobile. Now, Facebook with 2 billion users and plenty of experience in the mobile realm has already established itself as quite the force. But what does that look like when it crosses over into banking? At a TEDx talk in Wan Chai, Hong Kong, Henry Arzlanian talks about what may be the crucial factor that will help Facebook and other social media platforms cross over into banking with much success. Listen. My six-month-old baby daughter is probably going to open her first bank account, not with an HSBC or a JP Morgan, but rather with a Facebook or Apple. And these traditional banks are obviously worried about these technology firms because they know that many of these tech firms have daily existing touch points with customers like yourselves. And to a certain extent, they have your trust and confidence. If you're comfortable enough to share your kids' photos on Facebook, wouldn't you use them as well 
to transfer money to friends and family? Arslanian has a great point in terms of the trust aspect. Now that said, rich potentials come through partnerships when banks and Facebook and mobile technology all unite. The possibilities are truly dazzling and something for all of us to think about as we move the needle of the industry forward. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast. Be sure to check out our ever-growing archive of podcasts at BAI.org. And as you check out our archive, connect with BAI on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook to stay up to date on BAI's latest and greatest. Be sure to tune in next week when a new podcast goes up. I'm Lou Carlozo, the managing editor at BAI. We'll see you soon. So long.